the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. All right. We're back in studio. It's been a minute, huh? It's been more than a minute. It's been a few weeks. Do you know that's a... It's a millennial saying, it's been a minute. It means it's been a long time. Oh, so so <laughs> that's the old people saying it's been a few weeks? Yes. Yep. That's fine. It's been a little too long since EA and I, Eric Allen and Ethan Greenberg, have been in studio. We won't, be here, we won't be here for long because this is the Combine preview. And by the time most people listen to this, we will be in America's heartland. I am taking you to Indianapolis for your first scouting combine. I've never been to Indianapolis. I'm, I'm excited. Well, that's a great city. You probably won't be outdoors too much. The great thing about Indianapolis is it's a convention destination city. So if it is freezing, you can stay inside, walk to Lucas Oil, stay underground the whole time. Not stay underground, but stay indoors the whole time and, and all the... Hotels are connected, and even when you walk to the restaurants, you don't have to go outside too much. All right, EA said it, but this is the Combine preview. Earlier this week and last week, Mel Kuyper of ESPN and Mike Mayock both had their conference calls. We're going to touch on a couple different topics of what they said. We have a somewhat loaded show. Make sure to follow EA on Twitter at E. Allen Jets and me, Ethan Greenberg, at Ethan B. Greenberg. Ethan Bree. I had to put the B because Ethan Greenberg was a little little too generic. Okay. So I had to separate. But nonetheless, all right. What about Instagram, man? You're talking about millennials, but we can't mention Instagram? Yeah, follow EA on Instagram at E. Allen Jets. That's an easy one. Yeah. What about you? Uh, Are you private? I am am private. I am private. (laughs) I am. I am. am. My Instagram is, is separate from my Twitter. Twitter is... Twitter's, you know, oh, informational, but, fun and games. But, I, I don't put a lot of information on, on Instagram. It's more me and my friends. Oh, it's you and your it's friends. Nothing, it's nothing so crazy. You, would you have a professional Instagram in your future? Potentially. I might, I'm, maybe I'll open up my Instagram one day. Yeah. We'll see. I, I, I start, I start to get a little it. apprehensive about it when you're saying your Instagram is private, so I'm wondering well, what's behind that, that, the lock. I'll show you what's behind the lock. It's not too exciting, but all right. I'll tell you what's let, exciting. Then I'll follow you here, March yep. 14th. Three right agency the and the trading period begin. But uh, this week in Indianapolis, we'll be talking about everything because the draft is not too far away. And then free agency. The Jets have a lot of money to spend, financial flexibility, uh, big names out there in free agency. And then Mike McKegna has reiterated Greens that he wants to build this thing through the draft. And this is just a piece of the process. I don't know at the end of the day, and we're going to talk to some of our scouts about it during the week, how much they actually weigh the combine into the draft equation. Because it is important because you're getting medicals, you're doing interviews, and then ultimately I think what you, you're looking at from an on-the-field perspective is just that what you see on tape is confirmed. Right. I, I think that what you said is, I think, often overlooked in that the combine is much more than just a series of drills. A lot happens after they do the drills and off the field. 
that exclude the media when that includes formal interviews, a lot of them. And the medicals, I know, are very important throughout the league in the eye of the scout, in the eye of general managers, and the medical guys as well. So there are a couple guys, of course, every year that the medicals are very important for. I mean, thinking about last year, and this is a guy that's been in the news lately, unfortunately, for a pair of arrests, but Reuben Foster, there was a lot of questions about his shoulder and the medical there, which is eventually why a lot of people think that he ended up falling all the way to the end of the first round. But this is the situation for the Jets right now. As you touched on is that the Jets have a lot of financial flexibility. March 14th is around the corner. They have the most cap room greens, not only for now, 2018, but in terms of 2019 as well. There you go. I did not know that. Well, but now I do. You learn something, something every, day. every day, especially every day. inside the studio. And then, and then not only that, but the Jets have the number six overall pick. And I know that all eyes right now are on the draft because of the combine coming up. But first things first is that free agency is first up on the docket. Yep. And a lot of what happens in free agency will determine what happens atop the draft, which will then in turn affect who's on the board when the Jets select that number six Well, overall. yeah, you are writing about the mock drafts left and right. It's I mock feel season. On, on it New is York mock Jets. season, Ethan baby. Greenberg, mockdraft.com. No, I'm just kidding. But on NewYorkJets.com, you're seeing a lot of um, – you're taking aggregates out there of what people are projecting for the Jets at six. My thing is that's a tough job because the Jets' landscape, what – this organization looks like is probably going to look at least a little bit differently. Uh, it will look a little bit different. It could look dramatically different mm-hmm. once March ends. I think uh, right now, when you kind of look at the aggregate of mock drafts that have been coming out, there are a lot of quarterbacks, especially because that's not just for the Jets. That's for the teams in front of them that are also in the market or thought to be in the market for a signal caller because, of course, free agency hasn't happened yet, so those guys can't predict what happens on the market. But a lot of guys have the Jets taking some combination of Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen. Sam Darnold is the only one that really hasn't fallen to six in the mock drafts. But not only that, if you go outside of quarterback is, how about a guy like Quentin Nelson? And he is debatably the best prospect in this draft, the cleanest prospect. And he is by far and away in the eye of the draft pundits, and that includes Mel Kuyper, Mike Mayock, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, the list goes on and on. He is by far and away the best lineman in this draft class, and he's an interior lineman, but this guy is an absolute freak, EA. I mean, he's 6'5", 330, he sheds people left and right, he throws people down, and th- there's this one video that, if you have not seen it, you got to go to Todd McShay's Twitter, and he posted this clip where he is was his, breaking down is film. Is his Twitter private? No. Okay. I'll, no. I'll, check, I'll check it out. All yeah, right. All, right. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah, be sure to do that. And, and, moved, and move the sticks. That's Daniel Jeremiah. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Who did you say, McShay? McShay. But <laughs> Quentin Nelson is lining up at left guard like he did all season, and the ball gets snapped. He doesn't really see anyone coming at him, rushing him, so he looks around, and th- sure enough, there's a Georgia Bulldog coming free, and he pummels him. He's a tremendous player. Mike Mayock actually was asked about Quentin Nelson uh, on uh, their recent conference call, weren't they? They were. I think it's. Uh, I think we should take a listen right now. 
Our next question comes from Colleen Kane with Chicago Tribune. Your line is now open. Hey, Mike. Uh, what separates Quentin Nelson from the other offensive linemen in this draft? Good question. Um, the, the first is DNA. You know, he's, 200, he's 330 pounds. He's got a nasty demeanor. He finishes with an edge. He's probably the best run-blocking interior offensive lineman I've seen in years. Plus, in today's NFL, you got to protect your quarterback. And every quarterback I've talked to in the NFL says what bothers them the most is immediate pressure up the middle. So you you got a guy that can set a physical edge in the middle of your line up front and allow your quarterback to step up. That's a big deal. So he's great in the run game. He's very good in the pass game. He was coached by Harry Heastan, who I think is one of the best offensive line coaches I've ever been around, who's now with the Chicago Bears. So he's got talent. He's got coaching. And at the end of the day, he loves football. I know this kid. He's got a passion for the game. He's got a passion to be the best he can be. So when you add all those things up, unless he's injured, unless he gets a bad injury, I love the fact that he can come in day one and be a high-level NFL player. Right, so I know that Quentin Nelson isn't necessarily the sexiest pick, but if you're a Jets fan and you get a guy that a lot of people project as a first- or second-year pro bowler and all-pro, and he's a part of your team for the next decade or so, you got to be excited about that. And the last time, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time a lineman went that high for the Jets was what, Nick Mangold back in the day? No, uh, well, yeah, because they both were taken in the first round. So that was the year where you got DeBrick Shaw Ferguson left tackle out of Virginia at four, and I think Mangold from Ohio State, 29. Speaking of Ohio State centers, other guy who's going to get a lot of pub this week is Billy Price, the highest-rated center by uh, most draft pundits out there. So he could be a late first rounder, maybe an early second rounder. That's what people are saying right now. But, you know, the the thing that's fascinating to me about Quentin Nelson is that's not a glamour position in the offensive line, the guard spot. Typically, when you're talking about taking somebody dead early, maybe a top six, top seven pick, you're thinking tackle. The only problem is that the tackles are not rated that highly this year. And the, one of the first two guys, there's kind of a – a mix up top with Mike McGlinchey, who played next to Quentin Nelson. Then you get Connor Williams out of Texas and Orlando Brown, who protected Baker Mayfield's blind side for the majority of his career there. So there's a group there, and maybe EA, one of those guys' performances in Indianapolis will kind of separate them from the cluster there. But we'll see what happens. But another guy at number six, also for the record, if the Jets pick Quentin Nelson or any offensive player, at number six overall, that's the first time in nine years that they do so, right? Yeah, it'll be the first time in ten picks. The last, ten picks. The last offensive player the Jets selected, Mark Sanchez, quarterback, USC. There you have it. Yeah. And let, let's, flip, let's flip the ball here to defense because from a defensive perspective here, there are only a couple guys that I think most pundits would have the Jets selecting, one of them being Minka Fitzpatrick, who's a, an interesting – hybrid player because he's lined up at corner, he's lined up at safety, he's lined up as a nickel, and a lot of people re- well, the refer Jets to him as a chess a, piece. Well, the Jets don't need a safety, as exactly. we know, is that uh, they're set at safety for years to come with a tremendously talented duo in Jamal Adams, the sixth overall pick last year, and then 
obviously Marcus May, the second-round pick of Mike McCagnan in 2017. With that being said, the thing that I find the most interesting about Fitzpatrick is you called him a chess piece, and you're right. If he is a slot defender, is he a top-ten pick? Two other guys that you're hearing a lot of people give some love to are Denzel Ward, Ohio State, and then the guy who Kuyper absolutely loves is Josh Jackson, cornerback, Iowa. You know, if you look at the guy that if you move down, the guy that I think would fit that mold would be Josh Jackson from Iowa, but he's projected into the 20s. So uh, I think he's maybe the 11th best player, and he don't take the 11th best player with a, a sixth pick. You want to get a guy inside your top five where you want to trade down. So uh, I think that would be a kind of a quandary for the Jets at that point. Josh Jackson is an interesting case because he came to Iowa as a receiver, so he has tremendous hands. He was more of a ball hawk than someone like Denzel Ward, but Josh Jackson, to me, he had a great senior year or last year, but he he was never really on the college radar beforehand. But someone like Denzel Ward, the knock on him is his height. And this is also wart season. I know it's mock draft season. It's wart season because all these guys are under a microscope. So you kind of forget how good these guys are. And that goes for all the quarterbacks and all the top players is, oh, well, can he do this? Can he do that? Well, no player is perfect, but these are the top players in this year's draft. And someone like Minka Fitzpatrick is, I think, best suited as however he'd be used in that if you move him around a little bit and he does a little bit of this and does a little bit of that, if he were to come here, I would assume Todd Bowles would know exactly how he would want to deploy him. Listen, you know, I get back to what we touched on at the onset here, Greens, is that all options are on the table for the Jets at the quarterback position. So the number one thing that you want to answer from the organization in the offseason is what direction are you going at in regards to the quarterback. Uh, it's expected that Kirk Cousins has that expiring contract, that he will be a coveted free agent by multiple suitors out there. What are the Vikings going to do with their threesome of quarterbacks? It's been reported earlier this week that Case Keenum is not going to get the franchise Mm -hmm. tag, so he is an expiring contract. Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, A.J. McCarron, he he won his battle with the National Football League, with the Cincinnati Bengals, I should say, and he's going to be a guy out there, it's expected. So, how are the dominoes going to fall in free agency? And I would be remiss if I didn't mention Josh McCown, who had a career year last year with, oh, by the way, the Jets' new offensive coordinator, Jeremy Bates, being his quarterback's coach. Josh McCown wants to play, and he wants to play for the Jets. So the Jets could resign McCown and or take a look at a number of these guys who are floating out there. And there could be some other moves made over the next week or two before we get to free agency. And then we move to the draft, and you say, people are wondering, did pair McCown up with potentially whoever you have in-house right now, Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg under contract, and add mm-hmm. a quarterback with that sixth overall selection, the guys that people are talking about predominantly at the top of the draft at the quarterback spot. Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield. It seems like to me, Greens, and you're following this just as much as me right now, that those four have separated themselves from the pack. With that being said, a guy that I'm fascinated by is Lamar Jackson because he was an electrifying college Mm -hmm. player. He won the Heisman Trophy, 
And then people kind of got off of him this year. And I don't know what to make of him as uh, potentially uh, on the pro level, but Lamar Jackson is a dynamic athlete. And he was a superstar on the collegiate level. So I'm intrigued by where he winds up. I know some people said, well, maybe we make him as a wide receiver. I view him as a quarterback. I think Lamar Jackson often in the college football season was overlooked, but now everyone's coming out and complimenting him. I mean, Michael Vick said Lamar Jackson is better than I was at that point in his career. Mike Mayock thinks he's the most electrifying player well, right there. in the NFL. So let's, or, let, not in the NFL. Whoa, whoa, whoa. As a draft prospect. Yeah, and let's get yeah. to that sound right now. The one way outside the box conversation is Lamar Jackson, who I think is the most electrifying player in this draft. And I think somebody is going to take him and commit their offensive philosophy to him. And I would tell you that the most nervous 31 people in the league would be the defensive coordinators that would have to play against him. Well, I think with Lamar, you see accuracy throwing the football. You know, he finished his career around 57%. So, you know, you can throw passes to, to you know to wide open receivers and, uh, and in the I call them in the area throws. In college, you can't get away with that in the NFL. But he's got talent, and he's. Like, I remember Rich Gannon when he came out of Delaware it was a, a similar entity. They said, "Great athlete, we can make him a DB or a receiver." And he developed into a heck of a quarterback. So, if you give a Lamar Jackson time as a second-round pick. I think there's some ch- a chance he could be an effective starter down the road. You always had that fallback plan, though, with Lamar Jackson because of his athleticism to maybe be a wide receiver. But we don't know if he can do that. We don't know if he wants to do that. So if you draft him, I think you're going to have to draft him as a quarterback, and like I say, a wide receiver would be a fallback plan. And then adding on to Mike Mayock is Bucky Brooks actually has Lamar Jackson ahead of Josh Allen. So I think it'll be fascinating to see these guys on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium because, one, we haven't seen him throw in a while. Yes, they're in shorts. Yes, they don't have they're a rush on coming air, right? Yeah, I would, yeah, I would yeah. imagine all these guys are going to have decent days. You'd think so, yes, in, yeah. a, in a theoretical setting. It, but It's a, it's a very uh, controlled atmosphere. You're throwing against air. Josh Rosen's probably the most accurate passer mm-hmm. of the lot when you're talking He's about. He's like the purest passer. Yeah, but. You know, we can go up and down and say, well, this guy's pros and this many cons against him. When you think about Darnold is that he's more mobile, he's bigger. He seems to make some plays when things break down around him. And he's got some herky-jerkiness to him, but he's also got a lot of intangibles. A lot of people think he's going to be the number one overall pick. Rosen, purest passer in the draft, most accurate passer in the draft, has been banged up at times at UCLA. Very strong personality, Josh Allen. Mayock said he's got the strongest arm he's seen since Jamarcus well, Russell, and he wasn't trying to say that Josh Allen's going to have any kind of yeah, a career well, of that parallel not. with Jamarcus Russell, but he's saying that that's what kind of arm strength the kid has. Obviously, Allen had completion Did you see the percentage video? issues at Wyoming. Did you see the video of Josh Allen on both knees at midfield throwing the ball and hitting the crossbar? No, but that gives you... It gives you an idea of his strength. strength, but how many times in the NFL have you seen a guy? What you mean you've never seen that? Before? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, okay, man. okay. So, <laughs> so then you got you got Baker Mayfield, who's uh, tremendously competitive and athletic, and he uh, he can move, and I think he's an accurate passer, and he's very competitive, and he, uh, a lot of people. As some pundits would say, is that is he your cup of tea? Because mm-hmm. he's a different kind of guy. Well, you you had said earlier today, you had told me 
each of the different quarterbacks is like each kind of ice cream flavor. Yeah, like, depends what on do you like? Prefer. Yeah, what do I'm you a like? mint chocolate chip guy. Yeah, either I, that or some form of cookies and cream. Okay. What so, about you? So those are traditional flavors, I guess. I like uh, something with peanut butter in it or uh, cookie dough. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good option. I, I like cookie dough, and I, I do like peanut butter. You like cookie dough out of, like, raw cookie dough? Like, out of the Yeah, container? but you're asking about my ice cream flavors. Yeah, I know, but yeah. I, I, got, I got off track there. Yeah, All right, EA over there, follow him on Twitter at EA Allen Jets. Me, Ethan Greenberg, Ethan B. Greenberg, not B-E, just the letter B. This is the official Jets podcast. Okay, so you mentioned guys who aren't quarterbacks. Oh, yep, yep, well, Nelson, let's, let's Quint, do it. Quentin Nelson. Megan Fitzpatrick, Denzel Ward, we talked about. And then uh, let's go to the pass rushers. How about Bradley Chubb, Marcus Davenport, a guy that you are very familiar with because you were on hand in Mobile watching him practice at the Senior Bowl. And then LSU has a pass rusher too. Yeah, Arden Key. Arden Key, who's considered maybe in that top three group. But to me, the flashpoint of the draft. Uh, I was about to bring this up. The flashpoint. The flashpoint. The early flashpoint of this draft is going to be number three in Indianapolis. And what are they going to do? Right. But what for you, what makes them the flashpoint compared to, let's say, I think the Cle- Giants? Well, I think Cleveland takes a quarterback at one. And I think, as we sit here today, I think that's going to be Sam Darnold. The Giants could go in a lot of different directions. But... They don't have a lot of salary cap space. They want Eli Manning to return. All signs indicate that he's going to be returning. When is the next time you're going to be up here this high in the draft? Giants dealt with a lot of injuries last year. I'm saying if you're the Giants, your play right now is probably a quarterback. Indianapolis, why is it a flashpoint? Because they have a quarterback, and Andrew Luck is saying his shoulder's feeling better. So what do they do there? They go Bradley Chubb. They go to this generational talent maybe at running back in Saquon Barkley. Or do they trade out? I think the Giants are a very interesting case. Nothing. Because nothing is because I go back to Indianapolis and say they have a quarterback. Right. The Giants could take a quarterback. I think Indianapolis is more likely to move out since they do okay. have a quarterback. Yes. Okay. That's why I say it's a flashback. Got it, got it, got it. Got the it. Giants are sitting there at two. Would they move back? Sure, all those teams up in the top five, top six. Mike McKagan's going to say that he's going to listen to teams that want to come up. He's going to call all the mm-hmm. teams in front of him. He's going to do his due diligence. Yep. I'm saying Indianapolis is different because if they have no concerns about, or limited concerns, I should say, about Andrew Luck's health, they have a quarterback and they would have more oh impetus God. to trade out. Could, could you, I mean, I know this is very, very unlikely, but could you imagine... Don't we have some sound? Can we get to the sound? Yeah, yeah, fine, fine. I think there are at least four different difference makers at the top end that are also clean off the field that it would all fit Indianapolis. And if you discount the idea of trading down, which I think they have to be aware of, especially given the the quarterback rush this year. So I think, A, you have to be aware of trading down. And then, B, after that, Chubb is definitely worth a pick. Saquon Barkley is a transformational back, and I would put him in the same category as Fournette, Gurley, and Zeke Elliott, all of whom have been top ten picks and made their teams better immediately. Um, I would throw Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame, in there, and Minka Fitzpatrick, 
the safety slash corner from Alabama, and for some teams, Vita Vea, mm-hmm. defensive tackle. So the, to me, they're kind of like the five guys where you go, wow, you can plug and play, but I'd also be aware in Indianapolis of a potential trade down. I just want to say I know this isn't going to happen, or I assume it's not going to happen because in the draft, you really just don't know at the end of the day. But could you imagine what kind of ripple effect it would have, EA, yeah. if the Colts actually selected a quarterback? Oh, that'd be fascinating. It's not going to happen. I I, I, I didn't say <laughs> I didn't say it would. I don't think it will. I just think that would be that I mean, would be tremendous. This is not the fantasy land uh, podcast. Okay, so that's not going to happen. Okay, <laughs> all right. So uh, the Giants, yes, they could take Saquon Barkley. Sure. No, I, I still think the Giants. Uh, is Josh Allen a guy for them? I don't know. Uh, Maybe. I th- Maybe I think Darnold's going one. Yeah, I, I think so too. That's been the consensus. And what's going to happen? And my other thing is, Cleveland also holds a lot of cards. Obviously, you got two picks in the top four because you take that quarterback one. Or do they address a quarterback? Much like the Jets are in a similar mm-hmm. situation. Do they have a lot of money to spend? Do they try to go out and get a veteran and then take a quarterback at maybe not one, but four? Well, uh, remember this is A.J. McCarron's a free agent. Yep. A.J. McCarron was, you know, probably the closest thing to a Brown yes. that, in the offseason. However, since they have a new GM. Right. So I, I, I'm, th- we're at the, this is where we are right now as it stands right before the combine. We're at the point where you start to see snowfall from the top of the mountain, and then once the league year turns on March 14th at 4 p.m. or whatever, the whole that the mountain's coming down, the avalanche is starting, the dominoes go into effect, how, whatever analogy you want to use. I think everyone's scooting up to the edge of their seat, waiting, just waiting to see what's going to happen because there are rumors left and right about this guy and that guy, and it's just... I'm excited. It's about damn time. Well, as LeBron so, James would so, say. So, well, we're not we're not there yet, young pup. So, free agency starts March 14th, but March 12th, teams will be able to negotiate with players with uh, who have expiring contracts. Drew Brees, yeah, I expect him to be a saint. He said that. He said as much. Le'Veon Bell. A lot of people anticipate he'll get the franchise tag. From the Pittsburgh Steelers, Demarcus Lawrence, a pass rusher at 14 and a half sacks last year with the Cowboys. He probably gets the tag. Ziggy Ansah in Detroit, could he get the tag? If he goes on the market, he's going to have a lot of suitors. And then from there, you know, there are a lot of interesting names. Andrew Norwell, a guard from the Carolina Panthers. Sammy Watkins, Mm -hmm. a former first-round pick. Jimmy Watkins Bills. is an interesting case. Yeah, he is. And then we tell you to speak about the cornerback position because we're talking about Denzel Ward and we're talking about Minka Fitzpatrick. But what about Malcolm Butler and Tremaine Johnson? Um, you know, so it, it's going to be a really interesting couple weeks because there's going to be a lot of surprises and a lot of curveballs. That's what I anticipate. And my thing with the combine is it's a league get together. It's a league event, and people talk during this event. So. Wednesday will be Jets Day, Mike McKagan and Todd Bowles. Don't expect them to reveal too much, as they shouldn't. Before you go into battle, you don't reveal your plans. Um, with that being said, maybe we hear something as far as guys they have been able to negotiate with, the Morris Claibornes of the world, the Josh McCowns, the Austin Safarian Jenkins, and, of course, the Mario Davis. Those are the four unstri- unrestricted free agents that headline 
the Jets class right now, and those are the guys they're going to negotiate with now before we get to March 12th and then March 14th. The market is open, and the combine is just a piece of the draft process. Um, you just have a lot of people in the NFL, a lot of reporters, a lot of scouts, a lot of coaches, a lot of GMs. Everybody is there in about a couple square miles. So there's a lot of talking, a lot of communication going on there. This is what's beautiful about the NFL. There is, there is an offseason, but there is no offseason because there's something constantly that pulls the fans in. Yeah, I just think this is an awfully exciting time for oh, Jets fans. And, and, and one thing that I want to be clear about is I think Mike McKagan, Todd Bowles, and company are going to go in this with a number of different options. I don't think all eggs are going to be in one basket. You get that sense out there sometimes because the quarterback position is in so much demand across the National Football League that you got to get this guy, you got to get this guy. Let's see their plans unfold because with the league and the way it works, especially in free agency, is that maybe you have something set for option A, but you're going to have option B, option C, and maybe they don't even look at it that way. It's 1A, 1B, 1C. You don't know. That's the, that's, I think that's the best part about this whole process and the draft and free agency you just don't know. It's an adrenaline rush when it happens. And that's all we have on this week's episode of the official Jets podcast. That was the Combine preview. How do you feel about going into the Combine? Are you, are you excited? I feel fine. I've been working out. The other day, I, <laughs> the other day I, I saw you had a 48-hour set on your stopwatch. No, no, listen, I ran six miles on Sunday, four miles. I did it in just over 28 minutes, so that was really good for me. And then... Six miles I did in under eight minutes uh, a mile. So I was happy about that. And my lifting program has been on point. So I'm ready for the combine. I run from my couch to my kitchen, and then I make some food. No kid, pal. <laughs>